There it is, a win for the ages. This is All American, a new series from Stitcher. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf, no question in my mind. And this season, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? Season one of All American premieres August 20th. Subscribe or favorite now. Hey guys, this is our last episode of the season. But next week, we are doing something super exciting. So instead of releasing a new episode at 3 o'clock in the morning, we are going to be recording a new one. And listen, you are going to want to be a part of this. We know that so many of you are up in the middle of the night going bonkers. And our host, Andrea Salenzi, is going to stay up with you and answer the phones for you and all of your fellow sleepless parents who are also going crazy in the middle of the night. It's going to be like a recorded party line where callers can have their 3 a.m. late night freakouts together and maybe you'll feel a little less alone. We are the podcast that is literally there for you in the middle of the night. So this is happening in a week, in the wee hours of Tuesday as it becomes Wednesday. You can get all of the information and the phone number to call on our social media accounts and by subscribing to our newsletter, which you can do on our website, longestshortesttime.com. So call in and enjoy today's show. What are the teen expressions and words that I need to know? What are people saying now? I guess this is just like New York language, <laughs> but like dead ass. Dead ass. Yeah. It's right. like an expression of agreement. So you use it in context. You're in a conversation with your friends. Yeah. And you make a point that's true to everybody. You'd be like, that's dead ass. I've also heard dead ass uses like this is 100% true. Yeah. Believe me. Like facts. Like, okay, yeah. I agree with you. It's like that. Okay. Hey, people, this is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. I am hosting the show today, and I'm here in our New York studio with three local teenagers. And uh, on the show today, we're going to be trying a thing that I've actually been wanting to do for a few years now, and that is to get teens to give advice to parents. And we asked you, our listeners, to send us your questions by email and social media and just to pick up the phone and give us a call. We have the great Andrea Salenzi in the booth, manning the phone lines. Call screening's kind of a dream job for me. This is fun. I'm excited to see what the teens say. And our producer, Jackie, is sending me notes live about messages we're getting on Facebook and Twitter. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to our panel. We've got three kids here. My name is Quincy Blair. I'm 16, and I live in Harlem, Manhattan, New York. And what is something that we should know about you? I'm a photographer, director, podcast director too, producer, and I play sports myself. And what qualifies you to give advice? I come from a low-income background. You know, That's the hardest background. And I think it's easier to give advice since you know the struggles you have to go through. Hi, my name is Alberto Lugo. I am 16 years old, and I am from Bushwick, Brooklyn. I come from like a Hispanic background. I am a 
DJ and producer, and I've been doing a lot of gigs lately for like the past two, three years. My name is Molly Saylor. I'm 16, and I'm from Montclair, New Jersey. I'm really interested in lighting design. I run lights at my school, and I'm looking into like a future. Like in theater? Like in theater, yeah. I'm a big social rights activist. I am a big member of the LGBT community, and it's a different point of view that's very good for teens and kids who are finding themselves in the world. Full disclosure, also, I should mention, I know Molly a little bit. Molly is the daughter of the first guest on The Longest Shortest Time, Anne Sailor. And when I did that, like almost eight years ago, you were how old? Eight years ago. Uh, that would make me about eight. Yeah, which is the age of my daughter now. That's really weird. Okay, let's get started with our advice giving. It looks like we have our first caller, you guys. Woohoo! <laughs> Jennifer in Los Angeles. Hi. Hi. Welcome. You're our first caller, and our teens are ready to answer your question. What is it? So, my husband and I have twin toddlers, or two, and we're very terrified about them dating someday. Even though we have years to think about it, I still would love to know what's a good age for dating nowadays and like ground rules for dating. Jennifer, before they answer, do you have an age in mind? My husband, when I was pregnant, said 14. He thought that was, like, totally appropriate. And then they were born, and he met them. He was like, they can date when they're in their college, because now I know who they are, and I don't want them dating anyone until they're in college. And he was joking, but I think both of us are, we just don't know. We're, like, high school, maybe? That's when we started dating. But I don't know, like, what's the difference between 14 and 16 right now? I think the best age for dating is 16 because when you're 14, you're, like, you're, you're either still a freshman or in junior high school, so you're not as mature yet. Like when you're 16, you're a sophomore, and you, you actually start feeling emotions. You actually start understanding everything in life, and like you're at a balance point. I think the best ground rule for dating in high school is understanding who the person is that your kid is dating, allowing them to have freedom, but also giving them like a ground rule of tell me where you're at, where you're going, what's your plan. I would actually say like 13 or 14 would be a good age because relationships like that aren't really ever considered by anyone who had them to be like a real relationship. And it's a good way to get a head start on like emotional maturity and getting kind of the feel of how things work as a child. Yeah, I think, I think I agree. Like probably 13, 14, I think is a good age. I just think it's because they're young and if they get their heart broken or something like that's a thing it's a good age for them to like learn from those lessons so that when they're older now they know like what not to do or like who to date and all that stuff but I guess ground rules you definitely need to know who they're dating it, it it's weird for with conversations like that to bring it up hey like are you dating anyone in high yeah, school or how something do you like do that it? Like, yeah it's <laughs> Do you, do you guys have examples of your own parents, Molly? I do. Uh, I was dating someone and I hadn't told my parents yet about like two, three days in because I was terrified of that conversation. And my mom like in the car, she like asked me, she was like, are you dating? And I was like, yeah, please let me tell dad on my own time. And then she told my dad. But, like, that's what <laughs> but it's like she had that conversation for me. Was that OK? Yeah, it was fine. It was like really relieving that I didn't have to bring it up. Have any of you seen your parents take any missteps that you wish they had handled things differently that would be a good takeaway for Jennifer? Coming on too strong about the uh, subject. So my parents found out I had my first girlfriend. And when my mom found out, she she wasn't upset. 
she just started asking a lot of questions back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get the day over with. So I thought it was just better for her to ask that I have a girlfriend and walk away rather than keep antagonizing me about it. Yeah, I think also like if you get quote unquote caught by your parents dating someone, I don't think parents should be mad. Don't give them like a whole lecture about it. I don't know. I just like for me, I don't really like lectures, especially for those type of topics. I'm curious about just inviting them over for dinner, like all those little things of like, if they're dating for a week, should I meet them right away? How do you navigate um, just sort of getting to know that person without feeling so invasive? I I think that like telling your child, I want to know who this person is, but like letting them do it on their own time, Mm. it really getting a lot of freedom can really like help a child talk to their parents more, introduce parents to different parts of their life and like kind of giving them their own time to do it and saying like, I want to meet them. Like, that's something that has to happen, but you get to decide when. Yeah, I agree. Just when they're comfortable to talk about it, it's the best It's the best time. Usually it takes like a couple of months to want to introduce a person to your parents because you want to feel comfortable with the person first. But other than that, once they feel comfortable, usually we feel comfortable introducing them to the family because they are part of our family somehow. Thank you so much. So... I want to give you guys a question that someone sent in on Facebook. This comes from Diana. She has a six-year-old who does not know where babies come from. Hmm. Um, Oh, my God. But there is a girl on the school bus who does. So Diana is trying to decide, should I tell her and how? You should tell her. Wait, how old is she again? Six. Six? I learned about that stuff for the first time when I was in first grade. And what did you learn? I learned the basics, what everything was and, like, how it happened. Kind of taught me to be comfortable with it. Alberto and Quincy, you sound like you're like, what, six? Okay, tell me about that. I was 10 when I learned about it. See, I didn't learn about it from my parents, though. Kids at my school talked about it. What did the kids at school say? I went to, like, a high school, middle school. I hung out with most of my high schoolers because my brother's older. I like hanging out with his friends. And they was talking about how, like, one of the kids in his class— he finally got some, and he was talking. <laughs> and he was talking about it, and I'm I'm ten. I'm like, what? What? What is this? And I go home. I'm like, ma, I heard about this. What? What is this? Because I'm I was really curious. And she sat me down and gave me the birds and the bees talk. And then I didn't understand that. So then she told me the real version where you have a sperm and you have egg, and they make that and you make you for nine months, and that's it. So I think it became easier when I went home and talked to my mom and she explained it after I was told about it. If you're told something from one of your friends, you feel curious and you don't feel weird about talking about it because you want to know more about it. So is your advice that Diana should let the kid on the bus spill the beans yes. first? Interesting. Okay, Alberto. Oh, I'm I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm citing a little bit more to like not letting the girl spoil the beans. I remember I was in sixth grade and we were reading a book. It was about like some teenage girl in like high school or something. And they were talking about her like having a period or something. And I asked like the teacher, like, what's that? And like everyone like in the classroom was laughing. So I suppose everybody knew what that was except me. So I kind of felt ignorant for a second there. I brought it up to my mom and then, you know, we had talk and all that stuff. But like, 
Six? I don't know. I think that's a little too young, you know? They should have the talk, like, 12? Oh, no, no. 12? No, sorry. No, no. <laughs> like, 11 or 10. I would say that having it at an earlier age desensitizes you to it. So, like, when you're a kid and people are, like, making all the jokes about it, you're like, okay, yeah. Okay. So, we have another caller. Call the time. We have Alicia in Cedar Rapids. I do not know where that is. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. What is your question? So what I'm wondering is if your parents tell you about the dumb or irresponsible things that they did at your age, do you think that would be a deterrent, helpful information, or possibly a motivation to do all the dumb things that they've done. The things I'm thinking about are drugs, drinking, unprotected sex, and generally unsafe situations. Or do you guys just like absolutely not want to know that stuff about your parents? Are you worried about how to make sure that your child is being safe with that stuff? Yeah, I think that's the main thing because I feel like part of it is Sometimes I know that your kids will do what they they want to do, and part of my motivation is just wanting to impart ways of being safer about it. When I think back about some things that I did, I just think, like, that was really stupid. I didn't really have anybody to ask what the right thing to do is. Telling your kids your, your stories are helpful because you're like, oh, man, I'm not trying to get in the same trouble I'm not trying to be like mom and dad. I'm trying to be a little bit better. But then also it depends on the kid because my parents tell me some things, but I want to do the things they did to like enjoy the fun that they had. But then they realize, oh man, that was hard. Teenagers, they learn from their own mistakes. I think just like if they ask you questions about your past or what you've done, or if you take the time to tell them, kind of warn them and let them know that if they were taking those risks or planning to, to just let you know. In my experience, like what I see with other people around our age, the most people that I see that go crazy are the ones who kind of get no guidance from their parents. The one whose parents are like, I'm going to kill you if you do anything. And I never did anything. Like you have to be like me. You have to be like perfect. I've got friends who like told their parents the first time that they drank and their parents were like, okay, just don't go too crazy. Like, I just want you to be safe. I know you're going to do it, so here's how you can be safe with it. I also think it kind of shows them that you're human, too. Like, you were a kid, too. I mean, the other thing we haven't talked about is, like, yeah, everyone makes mistakes, and it's possible you'll tell your kid about your mistakes, and then they'll make completely different ones that you didn't even know were possible. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think in that kind of situation, it's just important to say, like, it's okay that you made this mistake, and I'm here to help you fix your mess kind of I'm here with you the whole time I'm not gonna like abandon you when you're like scared and alone in like some stranger's lawn Alicia has our panel answered your question yeah that's very very helpful coming up more questions for the wise and brave Molly Alberto and Quincy stick around say advertisement Good job. 
We are back in the studio with our dynamite panel of teens, Alberto, Quincy, and Molly. So I have another question for you all. Random question time. (laughs) What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a lighting designer. Tell me about the lighting. Like what, what draws you to that? I like theater a lot. My friend did a personal show that she directed and she asked me to design the lights for it. And like I did it and it just seeing it put together was an amazing feeling. And now every time I go see a show, every time like I go see a concert, watch a movie, I like look at the lighting. I know exactly what they're doing with this. It's different point of view. And I completely fell in love with it. Quincy? Director or lawyer. Ooh, so tell me about that. You're weighing. Because I enjoy like directing. One of my biggest inspirations is Spike Lee because all his documentaries, his movies. I just find that to be like one of the most funnest jobs in the world because you meet other people. You get to tell them what to do a little bit, but also allowing them to have the creativity to do what you want them to do. But, you know, being a lawyer, I like enjoy law and enjoy arguing. So that's that's the best part of being being a lawyer. And Alberto. Just being like an overall superstar DJ that travels the world every day. (laughs) Oh, just a DJ that travels the world. Yeah, touring and stuff and, you know, producing. If that doesn't go well, probably also like audio engineering, doing the mixing and mastering, like with those huge boards and stuff like those in the studio. Oh, we have those. Yeah, Yeah, like just working those. So I feel like it's really clear what we need to do here, which is we need to make a movie. Yes. (laughs) Quincy directs. (laughs) Molly does the lighting. And Alberto does the sound. Of course. Yeah, done. This is going to be number one. What's the name of our movie? The Longest Shortest Time. Love it. Um, Do we have anyone on the line? Hello. This is Kelsey. I'm calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, Kelsey. So my question is, what should parents know about teens' social media use? Are you talking about knowing if your teenager is using social media or like how they're behaving online or both? More about like how they're behaving online and maybe how their friends, their peers are behaving online, too. Well, for me, like I have my own Instagram account and Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, a a lot of social media. But I know my mom follows me on Instagram just solely because first she wants to make sure I'm not, you know, posting anything inappropriate or, you know, something vulgar. I don't know, something like that. Are there any mistakes that any of you made on social media that like your parents had to get involved I had an issue with social media, but it wasn't because of something I did. It was because, like, somebody's reaction to my post. Mm. It was a post about civil rights and a, a picture I posted. And some had reacted by not the right way of reacting to a child posting this. So my parents got involved since they were there, and they, they saw what happened. It became easier for them to protect me and everything. Did your parents talk to you about, like, what kinds of photos you would or would not want to post on your profiles? Yeah, so my parents had a talk with me about, like, around the time I started, like, my, you know, music, DJ, producer-type career. (laughs) But, like, they talked to me about, like, kind of being professional in a way, especially, like, colleges looking students up if they're applying to, like, a certain college or something. Whatever reputation you have online, good or bad, it can really impact your future. They always told me, like, don't curse that much online, like— Be humble, like online too. Don't be obsessed with it. Don't show your bad self in a way. You know what I'm saying? 
almost every parent I know is worried about their kid and social media, and you guys sound remarkably relaxed about it. (laughs) I think that social media is, like, super demonized. I've actually never, maybe, like, one person I've seen an issue with on social media, like cyberbullying or something. It's just the bad parts of it are super amplified. Well, Kelsey, thanks for calling. Jody in Indianapolis. Hello. You are on the line. All right. So my son just turned three. When we go out to dinner, I toe the line of whether to give him my phone, put on his favorite Netflix tune just to keep him from, you know, squirming and and just making a fuss because it seems like coloring is just not cutting it anymore. And his father does give him his cell phone to watch Netflix. It's starting to transfer over where he doesn't want anything else but the screen. I'm I'm wondering if I'm doing a disservice to him by allowing him to have that screen time. What do you think? A toddler with a phone reminds me of my cat with food. Because, like, my cat will, like, wake me up at, like, four in the morning just meowing for food. I just ignore it. Like, I say no, but cats don't know the word no because they're cats. But, like, I do think that it's important to, like, stay away from screens for a while. Because I didn't have screens until I was in 6th or 7th grade. That was, like, the age that I started. And, you know, I think I'm doing pretty well with screens. Yeah, I think uh, he's three. So, I don't know. I I grew up with technology as it was, like, getting better and better. But I remember my mom, like, getting an iPhone for the first time, like, when it started to come out and stuff. That's when I got, like, obsessed. Does anyone have any recommendations of what Jody can do instead of offering the phone that, like, you would actually respond to as a little kid? Like, put myself in the shoes of, like, a three-year-old? Yes, that's, that's what like, I'm asking you to do. I, uh, okay. I know that people will bring, like, small toys with them to restaurants and stuff for their kids to play with because he's a three-year-old, and three-year-olds are very, like, they need something to do at all times. I remember when I was three, this basically, like, set up my entire life but I remember getting like a small piano keyboard and that kept me very entertained basically my whole life. And I think, I know this sounds really corny, but I think music is probably a really good thing that you can do like for your child. Get them like a musical toy or something, not something that's expensive and they could break, but like that could t- keep them entertained for hours. Like who knows, maybe they have, you know, maybe they'll develop like a love for music. Yeah. Jody, it sounds like you and your child's father are in disagreement about how much phone time is okay. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's easier for him to just, you know, put an educational game on for him and then go and do his thing. Question for the panel. How important do you think it is for parents to be on the same page when it comes to parenting decisions? Are highly important because if one parent says one thing, other parents says another, you're you're in the gray area and you feel like one dad can go mommy, one dad can go daddy. I think it's really important where parents are always on the same page and being able to compromise on what to do with a kid. Because once the kid has a gray area, he's going to take advantage or she's going to take advantage of it. I agree. Yeah. It's like you're working as a team to like raise this new person 
they can take advantage of like a disagreement there and just kind of pick what they want to pick and say like, one of you said it was okay. I did it because like you said it, I could. You sound like you're speaking from experience. I 100% (laughs) used to. Tell me about what's what's something that you've played your parents on. You know, I'd like ask one of my parents something and they'd be like, I don't know. And then I'd go ask the other one. They say yes. And then I'd do it. Then parents would be like, why did you do that? (laughs) Well, you said I could. (laughs) One of you said I could. could. (laughs) Well, for me, I was like, I don't know. I was always about food. (laughs) Like, I would ask my mom, like, can I have, like, this candy or, like, this sweet? Or, like, my grandma or, like, especially my grandma. My gosh. My grandma's Mm, always loving. (laughs) Yeah. Hands, arms wide open. Parents and grandparents are never on the same page. No. Jody, am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. They undo everything. Well, have we answered your question, Jody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's doable. You know, bring more toys instead of going the easy route. Well, thanks for calling, Jody. Thank you so much, you guys. No problem. I have another question for you all. How do you guys feel about not being kids anymore soon? Oh, oh, man. Oh, yeah. It's scary. Going just there. woke me up. <laughs> um, I don't know. It feels weird. It's like you're in the middle and you're about to become a young adult, but you're also still a kid inside a little bit. I don't know how I'm going to feel when I'm an adult. Probably like more like official. I don't know how that works. Like, okay, now you're an adult. So now I can like kind of do things I can finally do on my own i guess i am terrified of the concept (laughs) tell me (laughs) my brother and a lot of my friends all just graduated high school yeah so i am seeing it from like an outsider insider kind of point of view because like i've been watching all my friends leave for college and like that whole process i got to like for the first time ever see that process and it's actually just terrifying Even the concept of making my own doctor's appointments. That still scares me. Yeah. (laughs) Already. I'd like to go back to like being sick. Some girl on the bus knows about (laughs) sex and I don't. Yeah. No, you would be the six-year-old who does know. (laughs) (laughs) Who spilled the beans. Yeah. Quincy. I think it sucks, but it's also a good thing because I don't want responsibility. But then I get more freedom being an adult. Losing curiosity, losing being able to make mistakes without really being judged it's going to suck because like can't really live life i have to have life live me so you guys are making the internet sound awesome and adulthood <laughs> sound awful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i feel like one thing that i've noticed about aging is like those videos that are like all over instagram they're like this person's only like 16 and it's like a really talented person and oh, then like yeah. <laughs> you never see that with like 18 year olds and I'm like I'm losing my chance like I'm yeah. completely like I'm 16 like after this year I don't get a chance to be at someone to be like oh my god she's so young she's only 16 <laughs> it's leaving it's I have fleeting. some disappointing news for you guys which is that um for grown-ups you, you know you don't stop comparing yourself to other people <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> it just keeps going <laughs> Okay, uh, Andrea's waving at me. I see her picking up the phone. We've got another caller on the line. She's she's typing something in. It's it's something about animals. Okay, we will be back to answer this question in just a minute. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. <laughs> 
And we are back. Holly in Philadelphia, you're on the line. Hey, so my husband and I have a five-month-old son. We live in a townhouse, and we really want to add a pet to our home and to our family. We're not sure what type of pet to get or what we should name it, and I'd love to hear any of your ideas. I think you should go with a dog. I think a dog is a great pet because they're just full of energy. And especially like for your kids who are younger, they're just going to fall in love with that dog. When they're older, they're going to look back, you know, and everything, look at all the good memories they've had with that dog. I personally like golden retrievers or like bigger dogs. So, Alberto, you are solidly for a dog. Yeah. <laughs> what is this dog's name? This golden oh. retriever's name? Ooh. If it's a boy, I would name it Jacob, something like that. That is Jacob is Molly's brother's name. Oh, really? really? <laughs> the most popular dog name <laughs> See, in born. Everything's coming together. Yeah, either Jake, Jacob, and if it's a girl, uh, Jayla. All right, Quincy. I'm also a dog person. So, I'd rather say like a German Shepherd or a Corgi. As a German Shepherd name, if it's a boy, Rex. If it's a girl, Lila, because it's just adorable. But like a corgi, I think like a boy's name would be like Pumpernickel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like a girl's name is Passion Fruit. Yeah. I love these names. <laughs> I'm also in support of a dog. <laughs> I really like the idea of um, a pit bull or a beagle. I w- I'm also a fruit, like fruit naming. Like, I've been thinking like pineapple. I think would be an adorable dog name for either, you know, either like a pit bull named Pineapple. I would love with all my heart. Holly, is it disappointing to you that they all pick dogs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to text my husband right now and tell him I'm running to the SPCA because I think I need a dog now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's awesome. You talked me into it. <laughs> Holly, have you been sold on any of these names? I mean, I am liking a big dog named Pineapple. I think that is adorable. I'm loving that. (laughs) So it's sort of a hybrid of (laughs) Quincy's idea and Molly's idea. (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks. We have a question that came in on email that this is a darker one. I want want you guys to. I'm ready. Think on. So this comes from someone named Mary who has a kid who's going into first grade. She knows that his school has lockdown drills and she wants to talk to her kid about why those are happening. So, how do you talk about gun violence to a little kid without scaring them? I don't know if that's possible. I think that I'm scared of them. Most people are. Have you had lockdown um, drills like since I've, you started school? Yeah, I've been having lockdown drills since about second grade. It was really only ever explained to me that we just like want to make sure that if someone comes into the school who shouldn't be here, that they can't find us. And like that's how it was always explained to me. And then like finally, after a few years, I kind of caught on to it being like, you know, if someone's going to come in with a gun and it's going to shoot us, it's something to be afraid of. And it's not a reality that I ever want to face and I don't ever want to make a kid face it. I think that explaining to them gently and like kind of not being like, well, someone wants to kill you mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to do it in school. Like that's that's not how you should go about it. But saying like there's someone might come in and try to hurt you or some of your classmates and this is just making sure that you're safe. Alberto and Quincy, have you both also had lockdown drills? Yes. Yeah. 
A lot of times. Yeah, since you were how old? Since pre-K. Since, um, I can only recall like starting fifth grade. I think it's hard to talk about because you don't want to take away a kid's innocence or scare your kid to the point where every day at a minute they think that they're going to be harmed. But then also, like, you think about Sandy Hook, they were young and this happened to them. I think the best way to go about it is by, like, sitting your kid down, telling your kid it's okay. The world isn't the greatest place, but you should always feel safe no matter where you are at. And if in a school where you feel like violence is happening, step away, hide, feel safe, find your safe place inside the school, or find your safe place around the school. And would you tell them that that has happened in other schools? It depends how young they are because, I don't know, I I think just in general, if you want to talk to your kid about gun violence, like if they're so young, like what, three, four, you might want to do like what Molly was suggesting. And I think like as they get older, you know, parents should really get into like the real details like these things have really happened because like if you expose a child to that like really young it could really scare them and it's pretty like traumatizing in a way you know it it feels like teens are kind of having a moment now right what was your reaction to seeing the parkland kids what do you mean like seeing them like seeing how they reacted to it yeah seeing like the movement that they started and i um, was um a part of that movement in my county my friend, like, started the Students Demand Action branch for my county, which is, like, Moms Demand Action, who's, like, the people who are helping bring the Parkland kids around the country. And it's really an amazing thing to watch and be a part of. And I've also, after being a part of it, seen that it's all kids. There are very few adults who are a part of this movement now. It's mostly kids fighting against adults. I think, like, Parkland made me angrier because this has been going on for so long and how come now it's becoming a big issue? Knowing that these students could actually step up on a podium and actually state their grievances without anybody telling them, oh, you're your kid, it enlightened the anger because now my voice is being heard. I can go on any platform I want to and actually state the true facts about what's actually going on every other day and every other place, the the, the true violence and Animosity that's happening. Why do you think that adults should listen to teens? We go through these things every day and we know what the problems are. It's just that these politicians and these people in power and authority are not willing to take enough action to like make these things happen. And it's just ridiculous. Like there's not enough empowerment like for teens to stand up. Teens are the ones who are living it. And, like, you got to listen to what we say because we're the ones who are living it. And we're the only generation of teens who've been, like, willing to fight it. We understand what's happening. We are living through it. That's like us telling you about the civil rights movement when you were alive through it. You lived through the civil rights movement. We listened to you about it. So I think you should listen to us about school shootings, the immense amount of violence happening since we're living through it. It's so interesting, you guys. You're saying, um, all of you pretty much, Adults should listen to us because we have something important to say. But I thought you were going to say they should listen to us because we're almost grownups and we're going to run the world (laughs) before they know it. And so they should start listening to us now. I think that kind of shows that we you have to be an adult to be to have like a (laughs) valid point of view. I have a valid point of view now and you need to listen to me now, not just because I'm almost an adult, because Mm -hmm. I am a 
person with a valid point of view because I am educated on this topic. Quincy, when you were talking about living through the civil rights movement, when you said you, did you mean you in general about adults or did you mean me in particular? Oh, in general about in adults. In general, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering how old you thought I was. <laughs> um, who wants to guess my age? 32? Is he close? I'm just wondering. I'm not saying. Oh. I, I mean, I will tell you, but I want you, I want you all to have your own guess. 35. I was going to say like 38 because I think I remember when you were 32. You probably remember when I'm 32, but I'm turning 42 next week. <gasps> what? <laughs> you look way younger than 40. Yes. The teens think I look younger. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a validation. I now officially consider you young looking. I don't know how I, I could phrase I that even deem better. I yeah. young. I feel like I just won this panel. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you can have this trophy. It's of a baby. Uh. <laughs> so in conclusion, the internet is great. Parents should respect their kids and talk to them. Everyone should get a dog. <laughs> and we should all make a movie. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure to talk to you, Molly, Quincy, and Alberto. Thank you so much for your generosity and in, in sharing your advice and your personal experiences. It's been great having you. Thank you for having It's been great having had. Awesome. Long and shortest time, listeners, it is your turn now. We want to hear from you. What did you learn from our teens today? What surprised you? We want to do this format again, and we want to know what questions you have for our teens. Submit them to us at longestshortesttime.com in the comments for this episode. That's episode 174. Today's show was produced by me, Hilary Frank, with Andrea Salenzi and Jackie Sajiko. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Special thanks this week to Andy Christens, who expertly ran the board during our live taping, and to Taylor McGraw from Teens Take Charge, who connected us with Alberto and Quincy. They also have a show of their own called The Miseducation Podcast. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Acatunde, Amory Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. We'll be back with a brand new season of episodes starting October 17th. In the meantime, check out our archives in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you've got an idea of something you want to hear us cover in the next season, we want to hear about it. Tell us. Go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the Participate tab, and submit your story.